Hey, this is Ryan from the What If Podcast, and before we get things started today, uh, we're really excited to talk about our second live episode of the What If Podcast. It'll be Tuesday, April 18th at Nomad World Pub in Minneapolis. Uh, the show's at 7 p.m. It's free. Me and Spencer will be there, joined by our lovely friends, Eric Mason and Chance York, who you have both heard on the podcast before, if you are a voracious listener who has heard all of our episodes. Um, we're really excited to be back doing it live. Uh, it's free, so go and bring all your friends and tell your friends to bring their friends, and uh, we'll see you for our next live episode on April 18th at Nomad World Pub. Let's start the show. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Fucking thing sucks! Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. You're listening to the What If Podcast. We're back and I'm not going to tell you my name. Because British lady did it already. Fuck yeah, British lady. Hi, Thank Spencer. You. She's always got our backs. What's going on, man? What up, man? What are we talking about today? Buried treasure. Buried treasure. And, and what if you found it? And what if you found it? We mm-hmm. were talking about this off air uh, before we started, but I feel like buried treasure as a concept has always been this mythological thing from like our childhoods, like the Muppet. Pirate, Muppet Treasure Island. Muppet Treasure Island movie. The Goonies. Yeah. There's like maps yeah, and secrets. I don't secrets. know why I didn't pull any Goonies sounds. Oh, man. Sorry, team. All right. We'll 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 put them in post. No, I won't. <laughs> That's a lot of work. <laughs> Just think about the Goonies while we're making jokes. Imagine imagine your favorite Goonies sound effect in your brain whenever there's a good punctuation mark point. Just repeat everything that I say in your best sloth voice in yeah. your head. <laughs> um, But... But buried treasure is not just a mythological thing of movies. Oh no, it's quite real. It's quite real. In mm-hmm. fact, more real. The more I was reading about for this episode, like more real than I think I ever knew. Yeah, uh, uh, there's an abundance of actual buried treasure, both intentionally and unintentionally buried. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think most of the stories we're going to talk about today are uh, of the intentional kind. Um, yes, but I did do some really interesting uh, reading on. Uh, there was this cool. Uh, popular science article I found and uh, they were talking about the unintentional kind which like you just lost some shit uh, the couch cushion buried treasure it's sort of like that except if your couch cushions if your couch was a ship and your couch that would be tight and your couch got sunk to the bottom of the ocean that would be less tight in, in a storm <laughs> um, can before we we dive into the uh, buried treasure <laughs> parts of things <laughs> should we should we do you do we do we need to talk about a current event well i have two things that i want to talk about that don't really fit into our buried treasure arc for the day okay i'm gonna we're gonna get back to my pop sci article soon and you'll have to wait for the for the 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 punchline of that story okay awesome. uh great tease spencer what you got well first of all i wanted to give a very special shout out to all of our listeners in sweden uh, because yes. for whatever reason, we have just an abundance of listeners in Sweden. And we want to say that we we really love you guys. We do. And thank you for fucking with us. We, and Spencer and I are both of Swedish descent. I'm one quarter Swedish. I am. Uh, I'm about 50%, I believe. Nice. We are almost a full Swedish man <laughs> between the two of us. Three quarters of a Swedish man yeah. are sitting in this room. Um, is, oh. But yeah, thanks, dudes. We or whatever have, the Swedish word for dude is. And dudettes. Yeah. Or whatever your pick is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've so 
Because of our abundance of Swedish listeners that we just recently discovered, we also are beginning a campaign. Yes. And that campaign is to have our very first international live episode of the What If podcast happen in Sweden. <laughs> Not even international, just the first one outside of Minneapolis. It's going to be in Sweden. Okay. All right. Wow. That's okay. Because... Re- real quick, reverse shout out to Wisconsin. Not because you guys your are weight, not guys. fucking with us. Not pulling your weight, guys. Yeah, uh, more people in Sweden listen to us than do in Wisconsin. So Wisconsin, go fuck yourself, and you don't even have a national anthem for us to play because you guys suck. Um, and we will never play a live show in Wisconsin. <laughs> we we probably will. No, <laughs> I'm not coming. <laughs> I'll fo- I'll phone Spencer in. But yeah. no. So if you live in Sweden, a thank you for listening. B, thank you for telling your friends about us. And C, please keep telling your friends about us so that a bar or venue somewhere in Sweden uh, will allow us to come do a live episode of the What If Podcast in Sweden, because that would make all of our hopes and dreams come true. Yes, it would. Spencer and I will learn how to sing the Swedish national anthem. Yeah. I promise that. We will learn how to sing it. We will sing it on stage. By next week. (laughs) Not by next week. By the time we play it, play a live show in Sweden. All All right. So that was point one. Sweden, you guys rule. Thank you. <laughs> You're taking credit for being Sweden? No, I'm thanking Sweden. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. I am all of Sweden. <laughs> you are welcome. Uh, point two was this story I came across that I wanted to do an entire episode on and Ryan wouldn't let me. Well, okay. I, I, I think it's the greatest story of the modern era. Okay. It's, it's an instant classic. No hyperbole there. <laughs> I did not let you. I was more skeptical of this uh, having meat to it than you. But sure. sure. And it, it probably doesn't. But I'm going to just run through it quickly because it's wildly entertaining. And, and this is actually, I think, the closest we've recorded a show to the actual release date so far. Okay. And so I wanted to take the opportunity to talk about like a current event thing because we've never really done that before. Yeah, yeah. And maybe we'll do more of it because it, it is fun to talk about things that are happening that you can like go Google that came out in newspapers right. like a week ago. Right. Uh, so the story is about this guy named Bruno Borges from Rio Branco, Brazil. Mm-hmm. And Bruno is a 24-year-old young man who went missing uh, on March 27th. Or is he? Pretty sure he is. A young man, I meant. Pretty sure he is, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just he, contributing to the conspiracy. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, he went missing about two weeks ago now. And he was living with his parents, Denise and Athos. Very solid name. Uh, he was living with his parents. His parents went on vacation for about three weeks. And while they were gone, he was staying at home with his two siblings. And for the, the entire time that his parents were gone, he stayed in his room with or he didn't stay in his room. He kept the, the door to his room locked for three weeks and didn't let anyone else go in there. And he was going in and out occasionally. But Twin brother, younger sister, right? Yes. All in the house with him while his yep. parents are on. So it was the, the three of them living in the house. All right. Uh, during those three weeks, he removed all of the furniture from the room and replaced it with a statue, a metal statue of the 16th century philosopher Giordano Bruno uh, in the middle of the room. He placed 14 handwritten books, which were all encrypted throughout the room. Eight of them were bound and placed on like a a shelf along one of the walls. And the other six are actually written on the walls and on the floors and on the other uh, surfaces of the room. Isn't it like written on paper that was like basically wallpapered around the room? 
Uh, I guess I'm not sure if he okay. did that or applied it directly to the walls. I think it's actually like paper that's like, okay. He like pasted he, it onto he, the walls. Yeah, like square by square. Okay, I could be wrong, but I think that's what I read. Um, and it looks like he actually, and I'll, I'll post links to videos and articles about this so you can see some of the images. It uh, is a trip. Yeah, yeah. But he, it looks like he actually installed some extra panels extending out perpendicularly from the wall to give himself more surface area to either write or paste this stuff onto. So they're Unless like, it was like a closet or something. They disassembled or took the shelves and doors yeah, off maybe. of or something. Maybe, maybe not. Um, he also left a key that uh, is is the key to this cipher that he, he used for the book, the books. Um, and his brother managed to translate some of the stuff from the books. And one of the books is titled The Theory of Knowledge Absorption. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also, in addition to the, the books and the, the sculpture, the sculpture that was valued at several thousand dollars. It's big. It's Yeah, it's a life-size sculpture of a of a person it's got to be hollow though because the if that were if that were all metal if it would like cast or fall something. through yeah. this fall through the floor i mean it's that would be like thousands of pounds too so it's got to be hollow yeah i don't know um but just the fact that it still would have been a lot of work to get in there and this is the okay well you keep telling it and it was I'll, it was very expensive he spent several thousand dollars on it didn't he borrow money from family members or something like yeah he one borrowed, of his cousins was like i need twenty two thousand dollars or something well it was twenty thousand i don't even know what the currency is in brazil it's an r symbol cool we're yeah we're really smart dudes we're it, it was the equivalent of six or seven thousand american dollars culturally informed mm-hmm. um Anyway, in addition to the sculpture and the books, there were these paintings on the wall, two of them. One depicts a figure wearing a white hooded robe with his back turned to the viewer. And there's a series of circles on the back of his robe. His right hand, he's holding uh, an Egyptian ankh, like the cross with the handle on the top. Yep. And in his left, he's holding a square and compass, which is more commonly known as the, the symbol of the Freemasons. And then on the wall in front of this figure, there's um, another cross, m- more like Roman Catholic looking cross yep. and a, a candle. Um, there's also <laughs> a painting that depicts Bruno himself standing next to an, a, a reptilian looking alien. Sure. They are both wearing the, the same white hooded robe. Sure are. It's pretty weird. <laughs> and the alien is resting his hand very uh, politely on Bruno's shoulder. And behind them, there is a, a like a ringed planet and a moon and some very uh, very. What were those those notebooks and the the folders that we that we all had in elementary oh, school? Like, uh, like trapper keepers. Yeah, but the 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 one like the rose art or what was the uh, fuck? Um, Lisa on. Frank. Lisa Frank. Boom. Jesus. Sorry to all of you. I'm, I'm not sorry for. I'm not sorry. So it's a very Lisa Frank looking <laughs> space background yes. uh, that he and this this reptilian alien guy are in front of. So we got paintings, sculptures, these books. Um, there's some kind of sacred geometry looking designs on the floor yeah. and on, and on, on the some walls. of the walls. Yeah. yeah. And uh, dude is gone. He just disappeared. His parents came home. He's not there. His siblings don't know what happened to him. His room is all art installationed out, and with, with a whole lot of weird shit in code everywhere in it. Yeah, and he, he, his cousin said that he lent him 
six or seven thousand dollars to do it. Brazilian real. There we go. The realians. Uh, R e a l, as in ah, spelled real, not the but pronounced okay. real. All right. Um, and he had apparently spoken to his mother about this "quote unquote" project he was working on before. Yes. Um, and his parents seemed somewhat aware that he was working on some project and writing something. Yep. That seemed to be about as much as they knew about it. Um, and then this has spawned a bunch of insane theories about what happened to this dude, whether he had some sort of psychotic episode or whether he was abducted by aliens <laughs> or whether it's just some art installation publicity stunt thing or some combination of all of the of above. Those. Yeah. He went crazy, got abducted and is selling books. I mean, his par- I his parents have apparently committed to selling the the books that he left behind. Yeah, that part seems really fishy. Within like a week of rather than go find disappearing, him, <laughs> his dad's like in some interview crying, being like, "We'll publish these so you can see his genius." Like, you should be less worried about publishing your son's books and maybe more worried about fucking finding him. Right. The thing I don't understand about okay, so if I'm if I'm living with my twin brother and my little sister for a full month and I'm quote keeping the door locked all the time like at what point am I dragging a hundreds of pounds metal statue up the stairs into my bedroom well, they were adult siblings though right I don't know I don't know how old they are I mean, he's 24 and his twin brother's 24 I guess so maybe so they're not around while they're a lot at work or, or, or yeah. Out for, um, you know, you could do it in a couple, in an hour if you had help, probably. Yeah, I just feel like if you live with three people, it'd be a little bit difficult to keep a really weird art project like that a secret for an So you're saying they, they might, the whole family might be in on it to some degree? Maybe, like, yeah. the, maybe the siblings knew, and knew, but they don't want to, you know, maybe they legit don't know where he is, and they're just like, yeah, I don't know, our brother's weird, and he's doing some weird shit, and yeah. I don't know if I would stay there. Think about that. If you if you like looked like caught a glimpse of your bro's room and there was like tiny character writing covering every wall, I'd be like, oh cool. So my brother's a serial killer. I'm getting the fuck right, out. Right, you'd here. assume he's crazy. It is it's pretty coherent though, from a from a art and design standpoint. Yeah, it's very like, neat. It, it doesn't look like the work of someone who's schizophrenic or has had a psychotic break. Yeah, it it and that maybe is part of the reason I was continuing to be skeptical too is like it's almost too organized and like too planned for it to be um like a genuine well what what the fuck does genuine mean? That's a bad adjective, I guess. But like it it it's too manicured for it to be sort of a a, a spawn of genius that just sort of like flowed out of him in a 24-day period and then he somehow or for some reason disappeared. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, I guess I guess it just to, he had to prove to the aliens that he was worthy, and then they came and abducted him. <laughs> Obviously, he put the right call out. Yeah, come touch my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are some weird correlations to you know. So the statue is of Giordano Bruno, who had some really weird thoughts on life and some ideas about extraterrestrial life, and some um, and some genuinely influential philosophy books in like the right, 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 right. early eighteen hundreds or um, so. The fact that there's a statue of him is interesting. The fact that the kid's name is also Bruno, which we're, again, assuming is his real name, and this is a real person, on his so far seems to be the case. On his Facebook page in February, he uploaded a picture of the philosopher okay. and... Or no, excuse me. 
he uploaded a picture of himself and one of his friends put a picture of the philosopher in the comment section and was like, dude, did you ever know that like mm. you guys look alike? Like there's some weird, there's okay. some weird parallels, but then, but then like when I see that, I'm like, oh, well did that inspire him to do this? Or was that the right. first step? I mean, you know, that was whatever, two months ago now. Right. Last thing on this, um, yeah. there were some some of the artwork and some of the images that were on like the the floors and walls, not necessarily the two paintings, but it looked kind of similar to the um, you familiar with the book the the Codex Seraphinianus. You said anus. I did. I don't know. I, that I guess Seraphinianus. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. No, I'm saying anus. That's okay. We can say anus, anus here. Uh, no, I, I don't know that book. It's uh, an encyclopedia, I guess. Sort of ish, okay, but it's all written in uh, a made-up language. All uh, right, and Good start. it's all illustrated. I'll, I'll put up pictures from it, but Ryan, you can you can see kind of what's going on here. Um, a bunch of diagrams and like botanical drawings and stuff, but of not real plants. I kind of have vaguely heard of this now. And there were uh, originally a, a very limited number of these made. They're drawings of like weird contraptions and inventions and stuff yeah, uh, a deer's head growing out of a, a pot a, with a plant yep and leaves on its antlers with like lettering but not discernible mm-hmm. lettering i yeah, think the uh, the the person having sex with an alligator and then morphing into one humanoid alligator is maybe the best part of the book is this how um is this how the lizard people yes joined us yeah that's the reptilian connection okay for you. yeah diagram of when a when a mommy person and a daddy alligator love each other, mm-hmm. they make reptilians. They make reptilians. Anyway, I'll put a link to that book in there too. Cause it's, it's whether it's actually related or not, it's pretty fascinating to look at. Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, our guy, Bruno. I will, we'll keep you updated if there are any new developments in that story right now, he's still missing and people are writing crazy stories about it and exaggerating and making things up. And, but he's, most of them are calling him an alien enthusiast, which I'm a big fan of. <laughs> It has started to trickle its way a little further out of this. This originally started, I think you sent me like a Reddit link and then I found the 4chan version of it and right. we were bantering back and forth. But now there's been some other websites yeah, that if are you like, just isn't go- this weird? Well, if you Google his name now, you get a fair amount of legit uh, publications. Well, I wouldn't say legit, but there, it's <laughs> it's more than just uh, Reddit and 4chan, like New York Post and The Sun in the UK. And they're like, you know, it's tabloid type shit, but express in the uk it's uh some wild shit whatever it is whatever whatever bruno may be a bunch of people have made fake twitter accounts since then tight of course oh there's a there's a mysterious universe link of course oh really Uh uh-huh they're covering it cryptic manuscripts may hold key to finding missing student all right april 6th he's like come find me Mm -hmm. come get me so we'll throw some some images and uh links and stuff about that in there if you want to go down a really weird cryptic alien themed rabbit hole for an afternoon do it tweet us what you think at what if pod uh once you've once you've dug into it if you think this is legit or if this is some goofy shit if uh, bruno shows up or if the aliens take credit for it or whatever happens we'll we'll keep you updated we will do that we will do that all right let's actually dive into our question let's dive into the ocean to get our okay so we're You missed a boo. You missed a perfect boo opportunity. Well, all right, that'll work. (laughs) Soul that. Soul that. Um, yeah, man. So I can't remember how did we how did we start this idea? 
I don't know. I think I said, hey, Ryan, do you want to do an episode about buried episode? treasure? Okay. <laughs> I, I don't remember if there was like a specific story that actually triggered us uh, to to go down this rabbit hole. Uh, it seems like some of them have just been popping up again yeah. lately, like the uh, the Fen dude out in the desert, the old, yeah, old guy who buried some treasure. Fen's and, treasure. That's a fun one. Uh, you were telling me about the, isn't there a TV show coming up? There is. There's a new, um, there's a new discovery show about um, there was an astronaut and I'm going to forget his last name right now, but one of the astronauts who spent some time in the international space station and um, while he was up there doing laps around the planet, he was able to see um, some of the shallower sort of water areas around certain countries. Um, and in doing so was able to identify like black dots in some of those shallower waters from mm -hmm. such a vantage point. Yeah. Which he then realized. Gordon Cooper, by the way. Gordon Cooper. And I think the show is called Cooper's Treasure on Discovery. Correct. I have not watched it yet. Um, oh, is it out already? I believe it's it's like part of their spring lineup. So I think some episodes have started, but may, I could be wrong if there's a release date there. Let me know. Uh, I don't see one yet. It we'll seems it fascinating. This dude essentially, with like paper and pen from the International Space Station, tried to approximate certain locations of maps uh, of, of or basically approximately create maps to the locations of shipwrecks. Um, and I don't know how much advanced knowledge he had of shipwrecks in general, but um, he was basically keeping these as notes, being like, eh, "When I get back down to that surface, maybe I'll uh, sweet. Maybe I'll use my little pen dots to see if I can go find some money." I think, um, I think we had also been talking about the uh, the whole Oak Island. Thing, yes, which, which has we, been covered in great depth elsewhere. Yeah, but, uh, God damn it, <laughs> been covered at length elsewhere. We need Mason here to go. Oh God, like from the corner, or, or to make his own. Um, yeah, well, there's the the History Channel show, The Curse of Oak Island. Yeah, and maybe we'll talk about Oak Island a little bit later, but mostly just to probably direct you to some of the better sources or the great it's, sources. That it's have a fun taken one down. that you could spend a really long time on and lots of people have spent a really long time on. So we're not going to do that here, but you can yeah. find tons of information elsewhere about it. Definitely. If you're a fan of the podcast format, the the Astonishing Legends guys did six uh, or seven hours on yeah, it. And it's went like a three-parter. It's pretty long. Very in-depth into that whole story. Yeah. So I think those um, were the two that got us started down this this path. For sure. And, uh, and actually, I think those are both good because those are... One of those is unintentionally hidden treasure. Oops, oops, I, oops, I sank my ship. And right. one is intentional, as in the Oak Island one, is people who buried some shit very deep in the ground. And yeah, maybe, maybe or there, hopefully is what's There's definitely thought. intention behind it. We don't really know what's down there. Yeah, but. that's the intention. Um, so, so it's not the stuff of legends, one. It's not the stuff of our childhood mythology. And I just wanted to get to this one stat in, in uh, popular... I, said, I think I said popular science earlier. This is popular mechanics. They interviewed a bunch of uh, people who search for treasure, I guess. Yeah, uh, there are for sure treasure hunters out there. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of the uh, one of the guys that they interviewed, um, Sean Fisher, is a shipwreck hunter at Mel Fisher's Treasures in Key West, um, which is kind of amazing that you can have a full business in Key West oh, yeah. and the entire purpose is hunting shipwrecks in the Florida mm -hmm. area. Uh, but he specializes in finding Spanish vessels that sank while toting gold, silver, and other loot from the Americas to Europe. And um, basically, 
he puts the estimates in the realm of $60 billion worldwide of the amount of just sunken treasure that is still existing. Hanging out on the ocean floor somewhere. Hanging out on the ocean floor somewhere in cargo ships and, and all that stuff. Um, and that's doesn't even count what's on land from similar accidental or on purpose hidings of things. Right. Well, and then every once in a while you'll hear the stories about the uh, the Nazi treasures and stuff that they buried too, which right. I don't know if you want to get into that now or maybe come back around to that later. Up to you. We can we can go into uh, we can go into my start or we can go into the Nazi stuff. Let's now. Uh, let's save that one. You, okay. you tell us about owls. If there's time for Nazis. Yeah. We'll save the Nazis for last. So I'm excited cuz I'm get I get to tell you a story you don't know. Yep. Um and um this falls into the realm of intentionally hidden treasure. In fact, there's a there's a uh there's a phrase for it that I am not or wasn't familiar with until we started researching this episode. Uh but it's called an armchair treasure hunt. Oh yeah. And I guess the concept is it's a treasure hunt that you can design from your armchair or like research from your armchair essentially. Right, that you don't have to be actively out digging and finding coordinates and whatever. Right. You can You don't have to find a bow tied to a tree and then go left or You whatever. can reason your way through it from, right. from any location. Um at least to some extent for this one yeah. uh, eventually you have to, but All right, so to tell you the story, I have to take you uh th- I will I will not bury the lead. This is an unsolved treasure hunt. Um, and to tell it, we have to go to France and we have to go back to 1970. Beautiful. Uh, man named, I think I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Uh, French guy named it's R E G I S, but there's a tilde over the E or not tilde, but, a so Re- Regis or sure. Reggie, we'll say Reggie, Re- Re- Reggie, ha- Reggie Hauser. Um, we're going to Americanize your name because we're terrible. <laughs> um, Reggie Hauser, uh, is a guy who's a communications expert and he has a good friend, Michelle Becker, who's an artist and they decide to make a book and their book they decide <laughs> to call. <laughs> Are you putting on French music? Maybe. It, can only you and I hear it? Maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, definitely only you and I can hear it. Fine, okay, I'll good. turn it up then. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be able to think outside of this. Just trying to, you know, get a nice, nice French bed going for you. There. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, we got some more options if that one's not working for you. It's it's a little fast paced. Do you have anything more Let's romantic? See if, can, see if I can slow it down. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is terrific. So Reggie Hauser, right, uh, and his buddy Michelle decided to put out a book published by, uh, he came up with the pseudonym Max Valentin, and they titled this book Sur la Trace de la Chouette Dior. <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. Um, on the Trail of the Golden Owl. And here's what, uh, Reggie and Michelle did. They created a book that is 22 pages long and two pages each are dedicated to a clue. On one page of of the two-page pair is a riddle and on the other page is an original painting that Michelle created related to the riddle or related to that clue in general. Okay. They created a golden Michelle, he's an artist, so he's also a sculptor, sculpts a solid gold owl. Not very big. It's about like 15 kilograms, 10 inches high, 20 inches wide, 
15 kilograms of solid gold. Yep. 33 pounds. Uh, gold and silver. There are diamonds on the head. Um, in 93, they estimated that the value was about 150,000 euro. Um, they say it would be worth much more than that today, just yeah. with appreciation, etc. They also sculpted an exact replica of the gold one, but in bronze. Okay. And somewhere in the country of France, 83 inches underground, they buried the bronze version. Okay. And with his estate and his lawyer, they kept the gold version. And in the book, they said, these 11 riddles will lead you to the bronze owl. Mm. Find the bronze owl. Come to this location. Show it to this guy. You get the golden owl. Yeah. It's fascinating. So these riddles are tough. They're like word games. There's mapping involved. There's math. Um, A lot of the clues, they have them... They're, they're like titled a number and it's actually like numbers on the light spectrum. So oh. there's like a light spectrum arc to the whole thing where to connect all of the riddles, there's a master riddle that connects all of them. And you have to use your knowledge of like light spectrums to be able to connect them together. Okay. Um, I'm going to read you a couple of them cause they're kind of weird. They're pretty short. Um, some of them are actually like unreadable cause they're coded. So it's series of numbers and dashes and letters like, this one to decipher them somehow. Yeah, this one is titled "From the Sky Comes the Light," and the the text is literally three six five dash h i dash one zero seven five two i dash where three six five dash he eagle dash like it's like whoa like really intense. But then some of them are so, just and there's no there's no hint at a key or anything like that. You just have to figure out what the cipher is. Figure and... it out. Figure it out. The seventh of the 11 is called Earth Opens. This is the text. It's translated from French. Apparently, it was much more beautiful if you read it in the original language. Sure. Between them, there would be only two intervals if they were aligned. But this would be a too easy game. Now that you have undone all the yarns, doubt is the last torment that will be inflicted upon you. Because it is the rule of this cruel game, alone, you have to find where to land your shovel. Show your respect for Mother Nature, and before getting away, close its injury. The hell does that mean? Right. So there's like perceived meanings of these as people have tried to suss them out. Uh, Reggie and Michelle created a forum later in the year of 1993 because people weren't getting as far as they thought they were going to get quickly. You said this came out when? 70 something? So they started planning it in 93. Or excuse me, they started planning it in, in the 70s is when they started like kind of coming up with the idea. Mm-hmm. And they released the book in 1993. Oh, okay. Um, and to date, it has not been found or exchanged. And Reggie and Michelle are still with us? So Reggie's not. Okay. Kind of creepily, uh, Reggie died in a car accident 16 years to the day that the book came out. This Oddly similar to the the one that I prepped for is this. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. There are, there are a lot of weird similarities. Interesting. Okay, so Reggie's out of here. R.I.P. Reggie. Reggie is out of here, um, but not before he says, so in the forum that they created in roughly the eight years uh, after announcing the book, um, they say he answered over 100,000 separate questions on the forum that people had about the riddles. So he was like kind of proactively helping because he said- uh, a Not ri- kind of. Well, yeah. Yeah, extremely. Right. Um, 
he he says that over the course of this entire project, not only did he answer a hundred thousand questions in the forums, but he received over a million messages via like email, letter, in the forums, etc. And if this was in the nineties too, there were way fewer people that would have even had access to it. Right, that. totally. Um That's crazy. And then all all of this was in French, correct? Yes, so, but a ton of people were translating and trying to get it from all over the world because apparently yeah. there's a whole community of people who are like, "Fuck yeah, treasure hunt!" and they like, oh, absolutely go nuts. For absolutely. These Especially you said there's 150 grand at stake, or right. more now, probably. Right. And if you can do most of it from your armchair, you just come home from work at night and go, "All right, I'm diving into this you, world yeah. of crazy clues." And if you think you know it, you drop fifteen hundred dollars on a flight to France and go. Right. It up. The paintings themselves are actually pretty beautiful. Oh, um, wow. They're the, I'm showing Spencer one right now. Yeah. It's like a, it's a, it's sort of a chicken with. Um, That's a rooster. Or a rooster. Yeah, it is a rooster. You're very correct. Um, but sort of oddly shaped with some abstraction going on. Uh, there's. It's interesting because mm-hmm. with a lot of the clues, because there's like a, a light spectrum element to it, the paintings reflect different sort of color schemes in a way, mm-hmm. which is also really fascinating. Um. I had a really hard time putting any of it together. There's some there's some of the ones where like they're explaining the meaning to something and it makes a lot of sense, but like this one uh there's one in here where it's a word puzzle. My first first half of the half of the first age is the first sentence of this one. I'm already lost. I know, right? Uh the second one is precedes my second and third seeking their way. So Basically, people have sussed out that this entire riddle identifies the starting city of the game, which is mm. Borges and like B for baby. Like Bruno? Uh, what? You said Borges. Like our guy Bruno? The different spelling, but it's probably, all, it's probably of a are similar. Are these all connected? <laughs> Did Bruno find the treasure? That's why he, that's why he escaped yeah. to go. He's, right. a, he's in France right now collecting his. Everything else was just a diversion from the fact that he's picking owl. up that golden owl right now. <laughs> He's going to come back like, what up? I'm going to pay you back because <laughs> I got this golden owl. Um, so th- this I I thought was really fascinating. Uh, so that, wait, has that been validated? Do we know that that's correct? Are there other clues that line up with that? Yeah, okay. yeah. To some extent, okay, so in, in 1995, so only a couple years after the book came out, Valentin said he believed that the readers collectively had solved roughly 95% of the solution. But most of that is coming to him for affirmation. And he's not redistributing that? And he's not redistributing that information. So he's saying if they could all pool what they've figured out, that they would be 95% of the way there? Or he said, the way that he phrased it was, if y'all would share, you would figure this out. But no one wants to share their individual pieces of information. Right. So he thinks they can't get the last 5%. Um, well, and any one of those individuals might only have... 20 or 30% or something. Right, totally. Or but they're five or any number. Yeah. Right. And if you're one expert on one type of num- numerology or whatever, you right. might be like killing the numerology riddles and then have no idea on the other ones. Was it just the two guys that wrote everything? Yeah. So it can't be that wide a range of information you'd have to be pulling. If it's two guys pulling information. And again, this was in, you said in the 70s. Uh, they started, they started the idea in the seventies, but it, they yeah. looked come out. I'm saying, no matter how smart you are, you don't, there's, there's a limited range of stuff that two guys are going to come up with. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you know, he, he confirms like you need to use maps and you have to do things with maps to identify certain zones. Uh, they have a thing called a mega trick, which is the key to using the sequence of the 11 riddles to identify the final zone of where the owl is hidden. Um, 
he says that basically for his entire life, he was checking up on the cash to make sure that someone had or had not found it. Mm-hmm. Um, which if I were doing this, I would just follow Stock, that dude yeah. every day of right. every whatever. Um, but he said that he checked on the cash in August of 1995 and found overturned dirt uh, as in someone had been digging a hole 400 feet away from where the owl was. But upon his death, no one had found it. And what you said he died what year? Uh, I believe 2009. So somebody was 400 feet from it in 95 and in 09, no one had found it still? Still no one's found it. He Man. thought this was going to be done in like a year and a half tops. Right. And he said, I have an article here where they were interviewing him after it had, um, after it had been happening for a really long time. And he says, <laughs> uh, humbly and rather embarrassedly admitted the extraordinary delay in the hunts resolution bothers him. This is an article from the guardian. He said, quote, I'm not proud of it. I would have preferred if someone had found it in two or three years. I wonder how it hasn't been found. It is incredible. Huh. So. So do you think he was actively trying to help people find it just to get it over with? I think he was. I mean, I feel like. Um, so the other thing that's kind of interesting is he did a bunch of follow-ups to this because he gained a ton of notoriety off off of this one book. Yeah. Um, so he did a bunch more challenges and like little mini treasure hunts and puzzles and stuff ever since. And all of his other ones have been solved except for the search for the golden owl. As in he intentionally made the rest of them easier or there's just something weird about this one? I don't know. That's yeah. the, that's the, the interesting question is like, did he feel so bad about making one so hard for everybody that yeah. he was like, I I want to keep feeding this community, but give them things that are a little bit more attainable. Um, but yeah, 400 feet away and un, and still unfound. And 20 years later, it's still sitting there. Michelle Becker, the guy that did that actually made the sculptures and uh, did the paintings, um, is apparently in possession of it via his lawyer. And his lawyer is the one who will still cash it in. How did, did you say this? How did they fund all this? Um, it doesn't say actually, that's a lot of money. If the sculpture just to make has got to be six figures and then the paintings and all the time to research and they say all this stuff, they say to create the the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They say to create the clues themselves. They took over 450 hours of time. So it was this book, this book was published and sold. So they were recouping some of it on selling books. I imagine. Yes. But also, um, at a relatively early date, this amazing website that I showed you. So good. It's, so we'll, good. <laughs> we'll post a link to this. It's just uh, uh, lachouette.net, uh, L-A-C-H-O-U-E-T-T-E.net, uh, which I believe just means the owl, um, has like a forum and members and like all this information about the whole thing. There are gigantic internet communities for many different treasure hunts and just treasure hunt in general totally. especially the ones that now you can do largely through the internet and google maps and stuff like that without actually having to get on a plane and go to france or yeah for wherever. sure and like in oh, this so that has all that has a pdf of the book basically basically it's a pdf of the book and it's got all the paintings cool, cool. Um, yeah i actually kind of uh, with a couple of these i was kind of like damn i would like yeah the art is really nice i would frame one of these like that that little icon is pretty <laughs> dope there's like an owl icon in it yeah, the design, um, the design is great. Some of them are like kind of dark and weird, and there's like numbers in them. Like it's, it's some intense shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So so long story short, Max Valentine and or Reggie um, 
Again, uh, 26 years later now, or 20, 25 years later now, uh, still unfound. Crazy shit. Crazy shit, man. Hidden treasure. If you want to, uh, if you want to check it out, yeah, go to La Chouette, or you could just go to the wiki um, for On the Trail of the Gold Owl, and they have links out to the forums and where people talk about this and discuss it. Sweet. Yeah, no one... No one has found that hidden treasure. Let's take a trip, man. Wouldn't it be a... Sorry, one more thing about that. Wouldn't it be a trip if they created this whole thing and there was no owl? Like, they're just trolling these people super hard. What would be the point, though? Just to mess with people? Just to be... Just for it to be this perpetually ongoing fascination of people. You're getting interviewed 10 years later in The Guardian because he's like... Yeah, now somebody got real close, and there's just nothing buried in the but French countryside. You said he's been doing, he did other ones that were found yeah. and were legit. Yeah. And Seems he was, unlikely. He was steering by his by the time of his death. He was steering like, it is, it is at least 60 miles inland. So if you're anywhere from 60 miles mm. to the coast, you're off the beaten path. Like literally yeah, trying to centralize of. people's focuses to see if you could help them. Damn. I hope it gets found. If it does, we'll let you know. The the one I was going to talk about is pretty pretty similar and kind of strikingly similar to elements of that. Cool. Let's um, talk about it. Well, you want to take a, a quick break? We we've gone uh, 1464 measures, what however much time that is. However many measures we've spent <laughs> uh is enough for us to uh need a quick break. So, uh we'll come back and we'll talk about uh fairies and Nazis yep. and uh, and maybe. then we'll be done. <laughs> and then that's our show. And we'll see where things go from there. Uh, we'll be right back on the What If Podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us a message. Email hi, that's hi, at whatifpodcast.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614. Whole program's cock, boys. No, it's not. The program's great. We're it's back. <laughs> straight on board the rotary girder. <laughs> Is it? Uh, All right, good. Uh, 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 heck. Heck. Oh, heck. Uh, we're back on the What If podcast today. You want to hear about some fairy treasure? We're talking about treasure. Real treasure. Yeah. Real and real fairies? Maybe. <laughs> All right. Treasure's real. Fairies. Uh, the fae folk, if you will. All right. Uh, yeah, man, what do you got? The Secret by Byron Prius. Not the secret where you think about things and manifest them into reality. That's a I don't know about that one, but that sounds cool, too. I think that is a much more popular version of The Secret, mm. uh, the book called The Secret. Mm-hmm. It's like a lifestyle documentary cool. self-help book about, like, it's... it's kind no, of, it's, it's not that. It's kind of bullshit. But it's not that one in case that's something you're familiar with. Yeah. Uh, this was written in 1982, uh, published by Byron Prius, who was a publisher, um, of a bunch of different books throughout the the seventies, eighties and nineties, mostly like weird fantasy sci-fi stuff. Fairies. Yeah. And, and this is, uh, the first, it's a fairly short book. It's maybe like 60 pages or something. Okay. It's It's like a very thin paperback. Uh, the artwork is very much in the style of the Choose Your Own Adventure books from the oh, what was it, like early 90s, I guess. So good. Yeah. Um, Damn, someone should bring those back. So this is the tre- or the secret, a treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. And the first maybe 15, 20 pages of the book are a bunch of backstory about the, the fae folk 
the fairies and the gnomes and all those inner earth people <laughs> and, and how they they migrated from they used to live all over the world and then they of course they did as as humans began uh expanding and populating the earth more and more and building cities and encroaching on on the land of the of the fey folk they, they came to america <laughs> well they yes and they they had to to move to uh spaces that humans weren't occupying mm-hmm. so into the forests and underground and, sure you know all those legends that we that we hear now about fairies and weird shit cool cool but part of part of the story is that the the fairies buried some of their their most precious jewels and gems uh throughout the country mm. in order to keep them safe from from the humans got it and there are 12 of these buried throughout the united states Conveniently. Yes. The eastern half of the United States, even more conveniently. Sure. <laughs> um, sure. And then the second half of this of this book are very much like the, the Golden Owl situation. A series of paintings and poems that uh, are not matched for you in the book. There's just 12 poems and 12 paintings. Got it. And you have to decide which poem goes with which painting. Mm. And they each, when combined, um, give you clues about where one of these gemstones is hidden. Mm. And so in 12 locations throughout the United States, I'm assuming Byron Prius or someone on his behalf buried 12 keys, like a, an actual metal key. Just like by itself? It was in a uh, like a plexiglass box. Oh, okay. And he buried 12 of these throughout the U.S. And the key, um, each key opens a safe deposit box in a bank in New York. Oh, damn. That's and dope. in each one of the safe deposit boxes is one of these gems or stones that was described in the book. Huh. Each, according to him, in 82, each worth approximately $1,000. Cool. Two of these have been found since 1982. One of them was found in Chicago and one was found in Cleveland. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cleveland. Yeah, right? That's where I'm burying shit if I'm a fairy. <laughs> ain't nobody gonna go find it there. Sorry, Cleveland, I love you. If you scroll down a little bit, there's there's a link to um, these poems and to these images. So I'm gonna go through the, the one that it was correctly solved for Chicago if you wanna look at these images or read the read the text while I'm going through it. Dope. But the the image is they're all very like fairy and mystical and and magical themed. So the one for Chicago is a uh or the one that ended up being written about Chicago. Mm-hmm. The the painting is a like a elf looking guy. He's got big pointy ears and yep. like weird warts on his face and a big pointy nose. And he's wearing some sort of helmet and on top of the helmet is a castle with different spires coming off of it. Tight. And like it. there's a there's a windmill coming off of one part of it. There's a little winged fairy woman pouring a like a pitcher of water off the side of it. I, I guess I can turn it around so you can see it at least here while, yeah, yeah. while we're going through it. Damn, that's so dope. Yeah, the paintings are really well done. They're really cool. Um and there are some some other images. There's a there's a guy on a horse shooting a, a bow and arrow. Whoa, these are crazy. Yeah, the paintings are really really well done. Um, so there's there's this painting, and then there's the poem 
that correlates to it. And so someone went through and solved it based on the following clues. Is this like a real person who solved this one and their explanation for it? Well, so this one was solved within, the book came out in 82. Yes. This one was solved sometime in 1983. Okay. So relatively quickly afterwards. Mm-hmm. But only two of 12. So there are 10, well, in theory, there are 10 still out there. I'll, I'll get, to, get to that in a minute. Okay. So the way that they figured out that it was in Illinois, the shape of some of the stuff hanging off of this dude's weird castle hat yep. forms the outline of the state of Illinois. Ah, okay, uh-huh. okay, okay. Um, the windmill tower thing on top of his hat yep. is the, the same form as the uh, Chicago water tower. Uh, so now they know, okay, we're in Illinois and specifically in Chicago. There's this fairy lady pouring a bucket of water off the side of his hat Yep, that looks a lot like a sculpture called the Fountain of the Great Lakes at the Art Institute. Art Institute of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So now we're downtown Chicago. Okay. Okay. So now we know we're in Chicago. We're downtown. That's, there's our starting point. How can you bury anything in downtown Chicago? Yeah. It's well, just concrete. <laughs> and that's part of the problem is that he did this in the 80s and now like- Things change over the course right, of 40 years. Right. Now we're 35 years later yeah. and maybe some of these unsolved ones are going to stay unsolved for, sure, that, sure. for that very reason. Okay. First line of the poem that was linked up to this painting. Ah, Poetry. Where read to me. Where M and B are set in stone. Okay. Okay. Meaning, in this case, the names of Mozart and Beethoven are engraved on the Chicago Orchestra Hall at two twenty South Michigan Avenue. Okay. So now we know what street we're on. Line two of the poem. And to Congress R is known. So the man on the horse shooting a bow and arrow on the on the dude's hat. Yeah. There's um sculpture called the Bowman at uh, the corner of Congress and Grant in central Chicago. Okay. So now we have two streets. We have Michigan Avenue. We have Congress. Um, So we have an intersection potentially. Yeah. And it says R is known. Roosevelt University is located at Michigan and Congress directly behind this sculpture of the the Bowman guy on the back of the horse. Got it. In the third line, it says L sits. Like the letter L sits sitting down, which is likely a reference to Lincoln, either okay. meaning we're in Illinois or so that you can link the the poem to the image and be like, oh, this one is about Illinois. Okay. Or that there's also a statue of Lincoln um, in Grant Park. Mm. And it's him. It's very much like the Lincoln Memorial. He's sitting in a, yeah. Got it. I mean, damn, like already... It's like a lot of steps. <laughs> yeah. No, these, like uh, you got to go pretty far, especially, especially with there not being knowledge that the painting, like we know now which painting corresponded with which mm-hmm. riddle, but I bet you. Yeah. Before you can do any of this, you have to be sure that one image goes with one riddle or one poem. Well, and with how intricate, like the, like the ones that I showed you from the golden owl, they're not, they're not necessarily that intricate as much as they are sort of like pastelli and kind of ominous forms and some coded like numbers and language these are like super detailed Mm -hmm. so i got to imagine that like you find a couple details that might link you to a different location be like oh well this might mean this like just connecting those could take forever right especially when you're the the range you're looking at is the entire united states Mm. yeah yeah how many cities right and it, it happened that people are pretty sure it's all east coast but when they put this book out it was anywhere 
Yeah, and got, didn't it come out later that there was one in San Francisco? Yeah. There. Well, or people think there is. Okay. The only ones that have actually been found were Chicago and Cleveland. Okay. But people have theories about pretty much all of them. and I see. But uh, you can't confirm because they haven't been found. Right. Interesting. And in the book, when it was published, there's actually a, a form in the back of the book that says, if you think you have solved one of them, but are unable to physically travel to where it is, you can write us and explain where it is. And if you're right... We'll go get it for you. Oh, that's kind of cool. But that ended in 2005 mm. when Byron Prius died in a car accident. Damn. Right? There's some weird similarities to the, the Golden Owl one. That is kind of weird. And people have also thought maybe um, because when he died, he owned his own publishing company, yep. which was then sold off. Yep. And so a lot of people think that maybe they just went around and collected these. Oh, to like whoever I, I don't know who bought the rights to his his publishing company, but whoever purchased his company maybe just went and okay, this no one's finding these. We don't want to keep doing this. Right. We're just going to go collect these and call sure. it forty years later. But, but wouldn't it, they but put if out they an did announcement that, about right, that? Right, if they did that, they didn't publicize that fact. So which would be super whack to like make people search for shit that is no longer. I mean, right. who knows how many people are actively searching for these. But it's a lot. Is it, it a is, lot? It's a lot, yeah. Dang. Um, and getting back to the what you were saying about, you know, 35 years later, a lot of stuff changes. He's making references to, like, the, the Chicago one that was solved immediately. One of the lines in the poem is the end of 10 by 13, which refers to a, a stand of trees. That's 10 by 13 trees. So... If that well, land gets sold at any point or they re-landscape it or anything, that clue doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Or and if uh, some tree disease takes out three of I'm them saying. or four it, it, of it them. It wouldn't take much. Like 35 years later, if that's the type of clues you're you're working from, yeah, that's some of them are definitely not going to apply. Right. And even stuff like, you know, the sculptures or that stuff could change over 35 years too. Yeah. Or you redo an intersection or, yeah, you know, sure. tons of stuff happens in, in that. For sure. Uh, that amount of time. Buildings bought and sold and. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and there's another one too. There's a, there's a design on the, on the castle in the painting. Yeah. That uses the same pattern that's used in the fencing around Grant Park where it was found. Wow. So if they put up a new fence in Grant Park, you don't find it. Sure. Man. Yeah. Wow. So it ended up being found in Grant Park uh, under under a tree next to this fence that had this specific pattern okay. near Lincoln, near the stand of trees, yep. near this intersection, blah, blah, Roosevelt University, blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. And it was in a very public accessible spot. Mm -hmm. But they didn't even say necessarily in the book that it was all on public land. Mm. And they say you might even find one in your own backyard, which is probably like, you know, <laughs> A metaphor, not right. meant to be taken literally. Right. But they put out rules that like it's not uh, whatever. They they made they made a list of places where like you should not be looking. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't specifically say like don't look on private land. Interesting. Which is probably assumed, but yeah, I mean you need you'd need access somehow, and if you were unless you like sneak into private land and then put it well, there. But that's right. They would have needed permission to hide it and then you'd need permission to access it right. and then check on it if it's still there but maybe that's where the stipulation of if you think you found it or if you think you know where it is but mm. can't access it sure tell us and we'll go get it for you but that also maybe. then kind of defeats the purpose of even hiding it you Agreed. know like you could you Agreed. could just be like if you find the pinpoint 
you know, we don't even have to physically put the thing there. We'll just email or send you mm-hmm. whatever you won. Um, so mm-hmm. the other one was found in Cleveland. Um, but there are people have, there's this whole web community that I'll, I'll link to of, of people who are, have deciphered various parts of this. And actually it's cool. They actually agreed to collaborate on it. And there's a wiki where people can go in and cool. fill in like, okay, I think this is relates to X or whatever. I think cool. this one, this painting is linked to this poem. And one of the possible solutions is for, um, Milwaukee. Mm. People think that there is very we likely got a road trip to take, bro. People think that there's very likely one in Milwaukee. So yeah, we could get there shit, next hours. weekend if we want to. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've gotten pretty specific about where in Milwaukee they think it is. Mm. But then you get back to, is it even still there? Right. You know, if there's a building built on this land, you had to excavate tons and tons of dirt and whatever right. to build the foundation for this building. So maybe would you have even noticed, or if you did, would you have done anything with a key that you didn't know what it was? Right. The thing about these that is really interesting to me, especially as it relates to that, is like there is an infinite number of no's that you could come to, like an infinite number of misses if you dig mm-hmm. up dirt in Milwaukee. I mean, relatively an infinite number. And like only one yes. And every time you hit a no, it causes you to go, oh, well, maybe I'm not getting something right in the riddle. You have but to the- reevaluate every step, basically. Right. Yeah. And, and then it's like... I don't know. That would be so, I would be, I would be so pissed if I got to like, I really think this is it. And then you hit a no and then you're like, what, what the fuck do you do then? Like the level of, the level of investment you have to have to, to be able to like go that far seems a lot. Yeah. I do wonder if the golden owl thing had to have been influenced by this because the format is so similar. And I Mm. wonder if they learned from that morphous stuff because so much of the, so much of that stuff is it's either word games or it's like mapping coordinates and numbers and longitudes and latitudes. Time sensitive. Yeah. It's not Mm. really related to the, most of the clues aren't related to anything super physical unless it's like, you know, going to be there a while. It made me think of that one too, because Prius was saying he expected people to solve them, solve all of them within a year. Yeah. And he was he was frustrated that people hadn't. Yeah. And so he he didn't even take that into consideration when writing the clues that it needed to be permanent because right right he thought he figured, it was easy enough. You know, a couple thousand people buy the book. These all seem pretty obvious to me. Right. He thought they would all be accounted for within the first year, and only two of them have been, and it's been thirty five. Yeah. Which also, yeah, bro. Of course it. Seems right. obvious to you if you made it. Like, yeah, it's right you there. Come on. Whatever. Who's your editor, bro? Yeah, yeah. Well, and two, especially with some of these ones, like if you're picking cities like Chicago and Cleveland and Milwaukee, like how many months of the year can people dig a foot into the ground to right. go get your key? Like if you're in right. Milwaukee, you're not you're not digging in the dirt a foot down in six months of the year. Right. That earth is hella frozen. Right. So, you're not wandering around in the park. Although I don't know, man. In St. Paul, they do the the Winter Carnival treasure hunt every year. Yeah, but that's a little different. They're not burying things underground usually. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about like if something is anywhere under the dirt, you can need a pickaxe in Milwaukee in January to get to that thing. Yeah. Although I guess if you were hella committed, maybe you were taking a pickaxe. Thousands of people go out there when it's 20 below looking for the, the Winter Carnival treasure every year. That's true. 
I used to do it every year as a kid. Did you really? Oh, yeah. So go, much fun, man. Did you go with the fam? Or? Yeah, my okay. mom was super into it. We'd, nice. we'd wait until like midnight and go downtown and get the paper for the next day. Oh, that's so sick. And we did it like mostly pre-internet, too, which made it really fun. Right. And it's every, you know, you're in your own city, so it's you don't have to do a whole lot of researching in terms of locations usually, but they would right. tie it to all kinds of different cultural and historical references in terms of the clues bro that's so cool i think I, they still do it right yeah yeah every yeah, year we should do it next year yo we should do it that'd be fun i've it's never like 10 grand or something it's a pretty big prize is it that much i think so oh that's dope it's yeah it's substantial whatever it is that'd be very dope maybe we should uh maybe we should do like a we should create a forum just with like our listeners and we'll do it as like a should crowdsource it crowdsource it and we'll split the money if yeah. you if you contributed to so us let's finding see. it's it. 10 grand there's two of us Thousand so people we'd all, help us. we'd all get like uh, about 2,500. We got like two listeners now, right? <laughs> I feel like this is your perpetual joke. And, and like, we'd have to ship half the money to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> Swedish dudes writing us like clues in, in Swedish, sending money orders to Hans. I don't know. Is that even a Swedish name? I don't know. Uh, shit. If, uh, We're not doing a very good job being three quarters of a Swedish man right now. If, <laughs> Or not. If you're listening right now and you think, is it really just me and one other guy that's listening to this podcast? Yes. No. <laughs> you guys should get to know each other. It's starting to get awkward. It's, Spencer's lying to you. Um, okay, so after after doing all of these, I think we should do one here. A treasure hunt? We know enough artists and writers and we know enough about the city of Minneapolis that to assemble one... Why, why just keep it to Twin Cities? Well, that's true. We could go bigger. Yeah. But we could Most also- of our listeners are not in the Twin Cities. That's no fair to them. That's a good point. But, but I, I don't think we can get to Sweden, but we could get around the US. But if we armchair it, we could uh we could armchair it and say it's here and you can using information figure it out. Or we could do the, the inverse of that though, like, hey Pete, go bury something out in the woods in Portland for us. Well, don't say that. Just say it. <laughs> All right. We well, we have friends who don't live in the Twin Cities. We, we might could totally have do this. Step one, but um. All right. Well, let's think about that because that sounds like a fucking party. The annual what if treasure hunt? Ah, uh, is it annual? Because I it... haven't I haven't put enough money into this thing without getting <laughs> any back yet. Let's let's go further. Well, let's um. You know, maybe we can crowdsource that too. We'll do a Kickstarter for for Yo, to a Kickstarter create... treasure hunt, bro. It's like TM, the lottery. TM. You you put in trademark trademark yeah. TM, TM, TM. <laughs> We own this. I gotta. You don't. Uh, yeah. This this is this counts as evidence, right? This yeah, is like mail, yeah, yeah. mailing yourself a letter with an idea in Today it. Today right? is Sunday, April 9th at two fifty eight PM. And TM 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 yes. everything we just talked about. Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I, I guess we we teased Nazi talk. Should we cover it very we got, quickly? Yeah, or? We'll we'll just run through through our, our weekly Nazi talk <laughs> real quick. <laughs> And don't worry, that's not actually going to be a thing that we do. That sounds horrible. Yeah. We, we don't need to talk about them every week. Basically, the story is that the, the Nazis, especially towards the end of the war, when yeah. they knew that they were screwed, started hiding things throughout Europe. Yep. Because they had accumulated a lot of uh, currency and gold Ugh. and Ugh. Uh, art, art and cultural artifacts and lots and lots and lots of very valuable things that they knew they were going to be relieved of when the war ended. Sure. Um, and one of those things that they, that they hid was 
132 million British pounds under a lake in Austria. Do you do you dive and dig? Like how how do you bury something under a lake? Do you tunnel in from the side? That's a very good question. Um we should ask whoever set up the Oak Island situation. Yeah, right. <laughs> I suppose. Um yeah, how they would have done it, I don't know, but when you've got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to to make it happen, you probably figure out a that's, way. That's true. Brute, um, brute force. So one thing that Hitler and the Nazis were working on was something called Operation Bernhard, in which they were generating and printing huge amounts of fake currency, both uh, British pounds and American dollars. Counterfeiting everybody's shit. Yeah. And they printed 132 million British pounds and their plan was to distribute it covertly into England in an attempt to disrupt the English economy. Damn, so they wild. would artificially devalue the British pound by just injecting shitloads of cash. And their plan was literally just to drop it from planes. Oh my God. Over large cities. And so because Damn. they didn't want it getting into the hands of banks or the government they wanted the average person just to have a huge influx in cash sure just be spending it at stores and mm -hmm. restaurants and, and and to this day the the fakes that they made are considered some of the best uh counterfeit currency that's ever really been made. yeah wow they didn't get around to actually distributing it because the the war ended because they lost <laughs> yeah and but they they planned to do the same thing with american dollars i don't really know how if if money's just falling out of the sky you're not going to be skeptical of that well, or that, that other, like the government and banks and stuff aren't going to notice that. They probably know, but they don't care because people like your average Joe, who's like low on cash is like, yeah, I'll just, I'll pick up a bunch of this and work it into my wallet and start spending it because, yeah. and it would still, cause be, I need it and it'd still be super disruptive. Even if you knew that, that there was an influx of money coming in because cause then you just have to be checking it. And and I'm sure people in a time of war are like, I'll accept anything if it means I'm getting more money to spend, you know? Yeah. like. So uh, where this stuff was buried, because they didn't get a chance to distribute it, yep. they buried it under Lake uh, Toplitz in Austria. Okay. And uh, along with the 132 million British pounds, they buried a ton, not a literal ton, but lots and lots and lots of gold as well. Damn. And people have uh, tried to recover this and, you know, dove down to the bottom of this lake um, and have recovered a lot of the fake British currency. Crazy. Um, but no one has recovered any gold from there. And more recently, Austria has stopped allowing people to even access the lake. Because they got sick of dealing with people treasure hunting, and they don't like to deal with Nazi things. And yeah, that's a legacy they're probably super hype about forgetting. Right, and so they eventually closed it off and actually made it private government property at some wow. point recently. Um, that's so how many people were hunting for a bunch of Nazi gold? I guess so. Wow. Or they just didn't want the, the, the PR associated with it, sure, or sure. I, I don't really know what their, their rationale was. But somewhere under a lake in Austria, there's millions of dollars worth of gold that was accumulated and hidden by the Nazis back in the 40s. Damn. 
And there have been other people have found uh, the last couple of years that there was a they loaded up a train car with a bunch of gold and other valuables Mm -hmm. and like buried it inside a mountain. So there was a a rail tunnel going through a mountain. They rolled the car in there and then sealed it and like tore up the the tracks on the outside. And so there was a, a, a a rail car filled with like millions of dollars worth of valuables sealed inside a mountain somewhere in, I don't remember where, somewhere in, in, uh, in Europe. Wow. So they, it's, it's fact that they were, this is a hiding, yeah, hiding valuables thinking, okay, maybe a few years from now we can get things going again and we'll need funds to do that. Or maybe, or if the 10, 10 of us that know this is happening right now can somehow get back here, we get in profit. Yeah. Or at least fund our trip to Argentina for the rest (laughs) of our lives or whatever it is that we're doing after, uh, after the war is done here. Damn, man. Yeah. Damn. I just, that, that plan about distributing fake currency, it was the first time I'd heard that and it blew my mind. That's pretty wild. They had entire concentration camps set up where they were just minting fake currency. Wow. For, for years they were doing it until they had enough to start distributing it. And then they got caught up before they could get out. They got got. And rightly so. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. Um, I think, I you know, we, we talked about more than once before. We've talked about the uh, the what if you got away with it episode and bringing that concept back because there's so many great, yeah, tons of stories and got yeah. and got away with it uh, instances. So we'll have to do a part two on that one. But I feel like we encountered tons of these super cool, weird little mysteries and puzzles, and whether they're intentional or unintentional or sort of intentional or whatever. We should maybe bring this one back. Let us know sure. if you want to do that uh, or if you have any uh, ideas that we don't know about, tweet us or, or send us a, send us an email at hi at whatifpodcast.com and we'll talk about your treasure story and uh, let us know whether or not you think we should crowdsource a what if treasure hunt because- uh, Sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. If we kickstarted a treasure hunt, that would like be the coolest thing that happened to me in 2017. So TMTM, uh, we'll do our own hidden treasure. Yes. Last thing. Yes, sir. If you're in the Twin Cities, April 18th, we are going to be at the Nomad again. Last time was super fun. Super fun. We're going to be talking with Eric Mason and Chance York, uh, doing another live episode, drinking beers, hanging out, having a good time, listening to some music. So if you're around, Nomad World Pub, April 18th, super free, live episode number two. We hope we see you there. And if we don't, or whether we do or don't see you there, we will see you next week when we are back with the What If Podcast. Peace. Love you, bye. Love you, Sweden. We'll be back next week with another episode of the What If Podcast.